Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. The S&P 500 has outpaced strategists' predictions for the year end. Strategists, tracked by Bloomberg, predicted on average in mid-October that the S&P 500 would end the year at 4,370. But the gauge has already reached 4,514 by last week's close. So... Are we all set for a Santa Claus rally at the end of the year? Well, it looks like the index's 9.6% rally in three weeks is looking increasingly unsustainable to some market watchers. So should investors sell into this epic risk rally? We're joining us on the phone today to tell us more is Rajat Bhattacharya, who is the senior investment strategist at Standard Chartered. Rajat, welcome back to the show. Hi, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back on. Rajat, you know, the S&P 500 clinched a third straight winning week last week amid a red-hot November rally. Will it make it a fourth winning streak this week, given how it kicked off this new week? Ah, That's a tough question, (laughs) given the 10% rise that we've seen so far. Yeah. As you say, you know, the market is uh, S&P 500 is close to resistance levels. So by that, I mean around 4607, so 4607, followed by 4637. Those are very close resistance levels. And also we see that the index is overbought in the short term. Mm-hmm. So you could see some consolidation this week. What happens next is dependent on two things. One, where rates go, whether rates, bond yields consolidate around here or rise higher, and the economic data. Okay. So those are the key drivers for the next coming weeks. Okay, okay. But what's driving this current rally? Yeah, it started by the Fed mm-hmm. uh, some three four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, what that meant was that rates, market determined that the rates, the bond deals are not going to go any higher. Bond deals were hitting pretty close to the 5% level at that time, and it's come off since then. And then you had a series of data which suggests that the U.S. economy is slowing. Now, what that means is that the so-called immaculate disinflation theme is playing out by that. What it means is that inflation falls without causing recession, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. and the job market cools at the same time. That's a you know win-win scenario for markets. I see, I see. But it looks like the S&P 500's 9.6% or 10% rally in three weeks is looking increasingly unsustainable to some market watchers. Why is that the case? Yeah, so one thing I mentioned is the technical. So the index looks overbought levels. So mm-hmm. we look at indices, indicators like the relative strength in this RSI, which is close to 70 in the short term. And the momentum, you know, is strong for sure. But 10% rise is not seen so often. It isn't so far, so fast, mm. right? So it becomes, you know, vulnerable to some pullback or even some resistance. And those resistance levels are pretty close. Like I said, you know, the next big one is the 4637. It needs to show that it breaks that level consistently for, nice. for any further uptrend. Okay, okay. Well, in fact, some analysts, they're saying that investors should offload risky assets after such recent gains as technical, as you mentioned, and macroeconomic headwinds are building. Would you say the same or do you have a different approach to how investors can mitigate such risks? 
Yeah, our approach to markets is on a broader asset allocation level. So how we approach markets is we stay diversified. Mm-hmm. Within that, we decide whether you know you need to add to equities, for instance, or within equities, which markets. Now, within that, we are broadly diversified, and that's because of a good reason. Mm-hmm. The uncertainties are high. The uncertainties, I talked about recession, the chances of recession is still lurking. There are, you know, while data has slowed, the consensus is not expecting a recession. If you look at the forward-looking indices uh, or the economic forecast, the consensus is not expecting a recession. So if we get a further slowdown, which borders into a recession Mm. in the U.S., that will bring a downward surprise. So that's on the downside. On the other side, you see, you know, the U.S. economy has been resilient, the productivity is rising in the U.S. economy, and you have the magnificent seven, the seven leaders in the U.S. stock market, you know, picking up strongly. And those are strong momentum drivers, plus mm-hmm. economy, as I said, if productivity is strong, it could continue this expansion, this economic expansion a bit further. U.S. consumers are, you know, loaded with the excess savings and that's still being spent and that could continue. So that's the upside story. So you see, it's pretty finely balanced. Mm. And as a result, the right positioning to our mind should be investors should be broadly diversified across equities, bonds and other alternative assets. I see. Well, overall, though, do you agree with these market watchers? Do you see the current rally as unsustainable as well? Or could this lead to a Santa Claus rally at the end of the year? What are your thoughts? Yeah, we will need to see one, the U.S. 10-year yield mm-hmm. fall further. So we've seen the U.S. 10-year yield fall back, as I said, pulled back from the 5% level to around 4.4%. Yields need to fall further for to drive this equity rally higher or at least consolidate here. If the yields go rise back, mm. that's a problem. Also, data in the coming weeks need to show signs of slowdown, not dramatic slowdown. Mm-hmm. So we need to see moderate slowdown in data. If the data suggests that we are indeed heading into recession, that would be negative for the stock market. So these are the limitations we face. Mm-hmm. So by and large, it's going to be uh, tricky very near term, given the run-up in the markets, for this to sustain. But for Santa Claus clause, we need to see those two elements to play out. Okay, I see. But despite the recent rally, Rajat, it looks like investor positioning, it remains bearish with both equity and bond markets pricing higher for longer rates. So if we see more dovish macro surprises, can this lead to more growth for equities? Yeah, that's a very pertinent question, actually, because the what's driven the rally, latest rally, mm-hmm. from all the flows data that we see, is driven by systematic funds and by that basically quantitative driven funds probably the real money and by that we mean you know the mutual funds have not participated in this rally retail investors have not yet participated in this rally so the positioning as you rightly point out is still bearish you know the people are still worried about that recession you know risk that i'm talking about so if this disinflation theme without a recession plays through, we can see a lot of this money flow back into the market. So positioning is certainly positive in that light for the U.S. secretaries. Okay. What about in terms of the bond market? Do you expect U.S. government bonds to rally further? What support will they need to be further boosted? Yeah, that's a tougher one because 
it's pulled back already. The 10-year yield has pulled back from 5% to around 4.4%. Further draw, you know, the pullback towards 4% will probably need really weak data going forward. We need to see, you know, we'll have a lot of data coming through PMIs, the jobless claims in the coming days and weeks. And those need to be very, very weak for the U.S. 10-year yield to pull back towards 4%. So, you know, bonds higher from here will need weaker data. And that's not, by the way, good for stocks. I see. Well, since we're on the topic of rallies here, Rajat, I also want to talk about Asia. Looks like Japan's Nikkei has been a winner to start off this week, although it was a bit short-lived. The Nikkei, in fact, they briefly popped to a fresh 33-year high. What led to this surge and why was it unsustainable? Yeah, the Nikkei has been the star performer of this year. Mm. And the core driver is the weak yen, which is boosting profits at exporters. So if yen weakness, yen has been the weakest currency this year mm-hmm. among the majors. And what that means is that exporters' profits and earnings, when you account for them in yen, gets a big lift. So earnings are booming in Japan. Mm-hmm. That's one. And then we have the structural pattern of improving corporate governance. Companies there are buying back shares. All of those are, you know, structural factors that we've been seeing for a few years now. Mm-hmm. So uh, combine that earnings boost from weaker yen and the structural, you know, rivals, Nikkei has performed very well. But that also raises a point about critical level. It's near a 33-year high, right? So that's mm-hmm. a big resistance, technical resistance to break. Mm, I see, I see. Overall, though, as you mentioned, the boost in Japanese equities is partly because of a weak yen. So what is the outlook for Japanese equities and the Japanese yen? I mean, can we see further upside for equities and downside for the Japanese yen going forward? Yeah, so Japanese yen has now for the last few days actually pulled back in terms of dollar yen. The dollar Mm -hmm. yen has pulled back from 151 levels around 146. So what is happening there is yen is starting to strengthen a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was very weak. And that is because, you know, inflation is rising in Japan. For Mm -hmm. the first time, they could have, you know, sustainably 2% plus inflation in Japan for many, many decades, for the first time in many, many decades. And what that means is that the BOJ's ultra-loose monetary policy could change, become less loose. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that gives a boost to the yen, And that reverses the drivers of the Japanese stock market, Mm. right? Because that was the weak yen was driving the profits of Japanese exporters. Now that reverses. That's another headwind. I see, I see. And before we let you go here, Rajat, what should we look out for the rest of the week and next that could move markets? Yes, so the key ones, as I mentioned, are the drivers for this economy, which is one, the job market, so jobless claims are tonight, mm-hmm. and you have the inflation is expectations from your Michigan University that the five to ten year inflation expectations are picking up. Mm-hmm. So they're above three percent now. So that is one close one to watch. And then you have the PMIs later the, on Friday. PMIs across the board, Euro area, UK are contracting in the US. They're borderline. Mm-hmm. They're just on the borderline of fifty. So we need to see whether you know the US flips over into the sub-50 level. Mm. That would be negative again for stocks, to your original question. Mm -hmm. And then next week, we have some 
data on China PMIs, the European CPI, which is in the consumer inflation, which is critical for ECB policy, and then U.S. PCE inflation, core PCE inflation, to see whether disinflationary trend is continuing. It looks like we have a lot of things to look out for. Well, thank you so much, Rajat, for your time and your insights today. Sure. Glad to be here. Thank you. We've been speaking with Rajat Bhattacharya, who is a senior investment strategist at Standard Chartered. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.